friends. I'm Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. You are in for such a treat with this week's guest. Dr. Aditi Gupta started the Walk-In Gyno Clinic, literally a walk-in clinic for all sorts of gynecological-related issues. She's trying to bring access and easy care and safe care to everyone that she can. I also, in a completely separate train of thought, want to mention that my original podcast, Maculate Conception, was nominated for a Signal Award. I'm so excited. I can't even believe it. So I want to ask you, if you don't mind, to please go to Signal Awards, look under documentary or search my name and vote for Immaculate Conception. If this award gets given for a fertility podcast, the amount of people that will be impacted by getting that information is going to just continue to expand. So uh, signalawards.com, documentaries, Immaculate Conception, I'd be so grateful. In the meantime, you are going to learn so much in today's episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Here's Dr. Gupta. Hi, Dr. Gupta. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Abby. So nice I'm to excited. see you. Me too. So you do something that I think is amazing. Can you tell everybody what you do? So I am an OBGYN and I'm also the founder and CEO of Walk-In GYN Care. It's the nation's first ever walk-in center focused solely on women's health. We have seven locations. I started the first one because it was a huge need in 2012 in New York. So I have six locations in New York and then LA has a location uh, right on Robertson Boulevard. Uh, We opened that one in April of 2022. Amazing. I didn't realize you had six in New York. That's incredible. Every borough. Oh, that's amazing. So tell me, and I can just say that I know the one in LA is very close to me, which always makes me very happy. So obviously, so walk-in gynecological care where did that idea come from? Of course, there was a need, but what was it, like, how did you finally get it on its feet? Long story, but the short version is when I was doing a labor and delivery call and at 2 a.m. at night, we get a call from labor and delivery ER doctors that this woman is here for vaginal infection. And we're like, why is somebody coming in for vaginal infection at 2 a.m. at night? It's because they cannot get in with their gynecologist. So they were waiting in the ER for eight hours and 2 a.m. is finally when they got to, you know, got through the line. So I'm like, why isn't there like a city MD or an urgent care for GYN? But the concept evolved in my head. And then we are not just pure urgent care. We do full wellness visits as well as, you know, problem-based visits. So, so yeah, I just, you know, I saw how much money I had in the bank and I bootstrapped it and there's still to date, no investors. It's a hundred percent woman owned, you know, I run it, no investors. So yes, we grew from one to one thing to another. We were seeing 50, 60 patients a day. See, this you is know, why I wanted like to talk I. to you because you are such a badass, for lack of a better word. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's, you're a doctor and an entrepreneur and I find it so, that must be so challenging. So in terms of time and like, who did you bring on to help you with this in the beginning? Nobody. Nobody. You, you Nobody. were just like, I'm going to just do this. Just burning the midnight oil from like, you know, whatever, there's not enough hours in the week, enough hours in the day. So yes, I definitely pulled everything together. And I was still doing labor and delivery calls, actually, believe it or not, when I started. 
but you know over the years um, now i have a nice small team of people who are committed to the same cause and we were we all work very hard and we're still committed to providing very stellar care all day every day through all the pandemic and everything we kept all our doors open wow so does each of the locations has like a main point person doctor or several how does it work yeah, so I have several doctors, and then I have several over 30 mid-level providers, like nurse practitioners, physician assistants. So there's a supervising physician, and then, you know, to keep our doors open every day, we do need to staff appropriately. So we have medical assistants, we have a sono machine on site, and a sono tech. We do blood draws. So yeah, it's a big operation. And when you created it in your head, were you thinking that it would be for a certain demographic or for everybody? And who is it for? Everybody. Everybody. So people ask me, you know, who are you, who do you treat? I'm like, we treat anybody from 15 till 100. We had a patient the other day who's 100 years old. Oh my gosh. And then we get young girls, 13, 12, 14, whatever, you know, whenever you have a gynecological need. The demographics depend on the location, you know, like we are in very ethnic neighborhoods. So sometimes we'll get a lot of Greek population or Italian, whatever, but it's everybody, professional, mm -hmm. homemakers, everybody. Do the majority of the people, because you can make an appointment if you can't, right? Like yes. you don't have to walk in. Do most people know that it's a walk-in opera? Like I, I just picture, you know, nobody's, especially in LA, maybe in New York, but in LA, nobody's like walking down the street like, oh, I think I'll stop in my gynecologist right yes. now. Right. So do you feel like most, does the walk-in feature get taken advantage of a lot or is it more like it's not necessarily walk-in, you just don't, it doesn't have to be your regular doctor? Actually New York, and that's why LA's response has been different. In New York, we have 50% walk-ins and 50% are follow-ups for procedure or appointments. So we get a fair bit of walk-ins. Mm. So out of like 50 patients a day, we'll probably have 25, 30 who are pure walk-ins. And it's by Google, you know, they'll search for a GYN near me and they'll just come in or they'll walk by. Um, in LA, most patients, even if they come in same day, they usually call first because they can't believe it. They're like, are you sure? Are you sure I can just come in? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, we're, you can. We're right here. <laughs> and is it, or do you always have availability? Like what if someone, yes. yes. So it's not like an ER where you would have to wait the eight hours. No, no, that was my whole purpose. You know, we, that, yes, in New York, some locations can get super busy. So you may end up waiting an hour max, you know, and half an hour, but no, not like an ER. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. That's my mission to make sure we give access and give care the same day. And I love this so much. So how did you know when you were successful at this venture? Oh, that's a loaded word. And I don't believe that I'm successful. I, oh. I don't know when I'll ever call myself successful. Whoa, because whoa, I'm whoa. Always... Let's dissect this. Let's <laughs> okay, dissect yes. this. Okay. Tell me why it's loaded. Because I don't believe in success. Like there's no end point for me. I just keep going. And I'm like, you know, every day it's, you want to do better and better and we want to give better care. Uh, we want to improve on our services, our wait times, our quality, whatever else is needed. So I don't want to call myself successful, but I say, I would say walk-in GVAN care is serving a need that was much needed. And that is obvious from the fact that we took care of 60,000 women last year. Mm. And that is, you know, a, an amazing feat. So so yeah, that's that's a very gratifying thing. So in your mind, is successful means you can't be all, you can't still be working like it's an end product? I don't I don't even know what 
success would mean to me mm. professionally because you know it's we're always improving we're always learning so yeah i don't have a definition there's no Amazing. financial number there's no patient number there's no nothing to me success is every day when we get good patient feedback totally. reviews that's it. I mean, to me, 60,000 patients served would mean I'm successful, but doesn't mean I'm done, right? right. But, but I think as women, we tend to sort of diminish the, the success. And yes. I think that a 60,000 women is a big, a big reason to celebrate, you know? Okay. Thank you. So you're successful. <laughs> Boom. We're done. Okay. Boom. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you end up in the, um, did you always want to be an OBGYN? What was your upbringing like? What did you, what, what did your career trajectory look like? Well, I wanted to be a doctor, you know, as many Indians are either doctors or engineers, but I really didn't, you know, liked women's health and I liked biology, human biology, how things work. And then I really wanted to be a surgeon because I liked to do things with my hands. But then I was in India, that's where I did my residency in medical school and being a female surgeon who's taking care of male body parts, it's not very accepted. Yeah. Even till date, it's not accepted, even in this country. So I ended up doing GYN and turns out when I did GYN, I fell in love because there's a huge need for women's education. You know, women are treated badly, not just everywhere. Even here, when I came, I was like, there's such a dearth of good care for women, mm -hmm. education about their bodies, how things function, what's normal, what's not normal. So yeah, that's, that's why I just kept growing in that field. Went to England, then came here repeated my residency. Did you go to England from India directly? Yeah. So your childhood, yeah. your upbringing was in India? Yes. Amazing. Yes. And what about, do you have a big family, small family? I have a small, nice family. I have a, one sister, one brother. My sister is actually a pediatrician and brother's in finance. My brother-in-law is geriatrician. So between us, we can take care of the whole I love it. You have like the whole life cycle. You could have sent your 100-year-old patient the other day to him. I love it. Okay, so just from my perspective, because obviously I look at everything with a fertility lens, I always feel a little frustrated with the gynecological. Not that it's the community. It's with the training. I wish I could get people earlier because usually by the time they come to me for coaching, for example, they have already had failed treatment. They have no diagnosis. They have a wrong diagnosis. They have a diagnosis that was undiagnosed for 16 years, right? They're 30 and at 15 when they told people they had horrible periods, no one knew what to do, whatever it might be, right? Right. How can we, like in this community of, of women's health, how do we combat this? And what do you think the best sort of timeline looks like? So that's exactly my point about women's education, right? We don't know about our bodies. So the way to combat that is by education and learning. That's why I've been hosting a lot of like monthly educational seminars, Wellness Express and online seminars to try to get people to learn about their entire reproductive cycle. It's basic stuff. Yeah. And I know you learn on TikTok and, you know, whatever little <laughs> videos, but you need to learn from ground up and how to combat this in your question, you know, how early is we need to be aware of our menstrual cycles. I mean, that is the biggest indicator of how our body may be functioning little bit of weight here and there, hair loss, you know, sensations of just like how my body's feeling. So one on one end, women themselves need to be their own advocates by understanding how their bodies are changing, if anything. And the other hand, we need to educate women's health providers because they also ignore people's problems. Yeah. 
when I get patients, sometimes they're like, you know, I'm so glad we found you because I've been, it's like serially dating. You're dating multiple people until you get to the right gynecologist mm -hmm. who actually puts the dots together and then says, oh yeah, you know, maybe your hairline is receding because you maybe have PCOS, mm -hmm. but nobody even talked about it. Do you find like in that particular case, because I think so many women don't even notice things like that. Why is that? Like, is it that we don't know? I think maybe we don't check in with our bodies enough to know what quote unquote normal is. And I hate that word, but normal, I just mean baseline. Right. Right. So we're losing a little more hair. We might not even notice. Correct. Right. Do you, do you find that or do you find more often people are coming to you and saying, no one really knows what to do with my symptoms? Both. Mm -hmm. So there are people now who are getting to be more aware of their body and then nobody's listening to them. For example, they'll say, yeah, I've been noticing more hair in my bathtub or something. And then people, the doctor will be like, well, the season's changing or something. But everything needs to be connected. And if we don't ask them questions, for example, people come to me saying I'm feeling bloated and I have pain and I didn't get my period. So I'm asking them, how are your bowel movements? Are you pooping every day? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you know, I just poop two days a week. Oh, like, boy. There you go. You know, your poop, gut, your gut health is related to your body health and your vagina health. I mean, no wonder you're not getting fixed. She's like, nobody asked me this question. So education needs to happen on both ends. What's baseline and normal and what's not. Yeah. Do you see a lot of PCOS? Oh, yeah. Mm, talk to me about yeah. that. PCOS is an epidemic at this point. In the, I think this is a bigger epidemic than anything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. I think about 50% of the world's population is women. And some of majority of them are on somewhere on the pendulum. And the reason I say pendulum is because if it's very early on, you can get regular periods. You don't have issues with your weight. But slowly, it can change as you go through life cycle changes. Or even, you know, getting COVID or getting any kind of stress, whatever, changed your bodies. We all know that. And then it can trigger PCOS. And all the things that we're consuming, the xenoestrogens, the perfumes, the plastic, and all that, that triggers PCOS. I mean, that's basically just converting our bodies into estrogen-dominant situations. Oh, okay. I want to talk about more. What's a, xenoestrogen is like what yeah. you absorb from imbalanced yeah. chemicals that make your make your body think you have a certain amount of estrogen is that how it works yeah so they are basically compounds such as pesticides or bpa they go into our body and then they block the estrogen receptor and the body thinks that it's estrogen but it's not it's an artificial mm. compound so it stimulates estrogen like activity in the body so those are called xenoestrogens okay. but they and so they create estrogen dominance which can turn into you know, weight gain and anovulation, meaning you're not making eggs every month, menstrual irregularities and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they are one portion of the, you know, problem. Mm -hmm. And the other is the diet that we're consuming, that we have added estrogen in there. Yeah. Same thing, pesticides that the poultry is eating. All of that is contributing to, again, estrogen progesterone imbalance that is contributing to PCOS. I think this is so... I know this is such a broad topic, but so, you know, I think a lot of people roll eyes at the amount of things we need to buy organically, let's say, but it really makes a difference for this reason. It does. But then the caveat in there is also we, organic is a certification that they get for whatever they feed the, mm -hmm. you know, poultry and the water. But then that water could be coming from the farm next door where they are putting pesticides in there. So 
at this point, we really can't be a 100% either way. But yes, going organic is probably going to get you in the right direction. Yeah. 80% there. Yes. And what else would you do if you felt like somebody was having estrogen dominance? What are the first things you would want them to cut out? I would cut. So Crucifer's diet really helps. So that's the first thing I cut out is inflammatory things like gluten and dairy, and then add cruciferous vegetables. That's like kale, cauliflower. Brussels sprouts, sprouts. yes, cauliflower, kale, yes and no. So most PCOS people also have bloating, so Mm, I usually tell them to stay away from kale. Mm. But cooked foods, spinach, all that, cut out inflammation, eat more fish and less meat Mm -hmm. of all kinds. And exercise is the key because if they move even 35 minutes every other day, that's going to help with the metabolism. Does it need to be like high impact or it can just be walking? Is it, what does it need to be? It should be mixed. Okay. It should be cardio mixed with strength training because your muscles are actually burning while they're resting as well. Okay. So it's a mix, but it's a whole approach. It's not just one shot thing. It's yeah. like, I call Holistic. it my lamps approach. It's like lifestyle, alternative medicine, mental, physical, social, everything. Oh, we love acronyms on this show. I love oh, that. Okay. Yes. Lamps. Yeah. Wait, say it again. Yeah. Lamps. Lifestyle. Lamps. Alternative medicine, medicine. mental, physical, social. Love that. So I feel like people, when they come to me and they're already experiencing infertility, they're like, do I need to change every single piece of plastic in my house to glass? I mean, yeah, in in an ideal world, that would be amazing. But how quickly – so like if I say, why don't you start by your body wash because that comes closest to your body, right? Or whatever it might be, what are the most important things that we should look out for in terms of plastics in our body? Don't hate food ever in a plastic container. If you're storing food in plastic to freeze or whatever, roll it up in a foil or a paper towel so that it's not in direct contact with the plastic. Love that. And you know, if you're reheating frozen food, a lot of people will just use that container, take it out, thaw it in with hot water, take it out, put it in a dish. And then yes, washes, body washes, face lotions. I make my own skin cream, face gel, you know, just mix it up aloe pure aloe gel and i have this whole formula for different types of that'll be your next business your next business okay (laughs) at some point yeah Uh, but yeah little things like that you know reading the ingredients of every single thing because we don't know how many chemicals are in there so parabens free sulfate free body washes and there's definitely been a pretty big movement in terms of products out there to because for better or worse this is on an on-trend topic it is for better Yeah. you feel like most of these companies that say paraben-free, sulfate-free are trustworthy or is it like 90%? Same thing, yeah. right? Whatever's, it's not regulated by the FDA, so they're not getting tested. So that's why I say, you know, you do the best you can, but read the fine print. Like even vaginal, because I'm big into vaginal infections mm-hmm. treatment as well. They sell all these salves and lotions and everything and everyone's like, oh, it's shea butter. And then you look at it and like, did you read the 15 extra things that are in there? Right. So it may not be parabens, but it's something else because they have to put preservatives right. to make it shelf stable. Right. Amazing. So, okay, let's go through your lamps. So that's lifestyle. <laughs> alternative medicine. What do you love and why? So alternative. So I do a lot of functional medicine and that is called precision. So we have to customize the protocol based off of the patient, right? So we, I do advanced hormonal testing through the whole cycle. We'll check their urine, how each hormone is getting metabolized, what the markers are looking like. And if they're methylating properly, I know it's probably too much, 
Um, like if your body's but, absorbing them properly. Correct. Absorbing, how is it breaking it down? And are you pooping it out? You're peeing it out or you're not pooping it out? So then I'll customize various supplements, herbal supplements or teas and stuff. I mean, believe it or not, I can get people, well, I should be boasting like that, but people can get their periods if they've not been getting periods, if they stick to the regimens, because then we try to use their internal body systems to wow. help, you know, move along. And do you have a separate degree? I don't think it's called a degree uh, certification in functional medicine as well. Yeah. Oh, girl, you've done all of this. I think it's also so <laughs> cultural too. I mean, I feel like every time, and this is a huge generalization, but I've had many Indian businesswomen specifically who are like, I make my own creams because that's what we did growing up, right? Everything was Ayurvedic, whatever. And there's a big penchant towards functional medicine too. I wonder if it is a cultural tendency. Well, so it was actually not that much that we grew up with it, but yes, there's a DIY per thing always in India. But what when what brought me to this was here when I graduated and tried to treat women in private practice. And they're not getting better with the traditional evidence-based, you know, yeah. guideline. For example, for PCOS, what we were taught in residency is birth control pills. Right. That's it. Right. So I'm like, okay, but that's not fixing the problem. That's putting a band-aid on it. Right. Plus most people didn't tolerate them well. So I went on my own journey trying to find these solutions. Same thing with sex therapy. You know, I was like, I can't fix people. So then here is where I took, then I started searching and took certification courses for functional medicine and sexual medicine and stuff like that. And now I've developed my own regimens and I try to train our team to be, to help. That's what I was going to ask. So do all of the doctors in your practice subscribe to the same ideally way of thinking and prescribing? Well, that's how we hire. So yes. That's how you hire. Amazing. Is that hard to hire that way? Do you find it like you have to find the little nuance there? Yes. Yes. But it's, I think most of everybody wants to now help people the holistic way. Yeah. So, but they don't know how to, so they're, they're open to learning, which Mm -hmm. is great. And do you like any external help? Like, are you big into acupuncture, massage therapy, anything else that you love? Yeah. Acupuncture can be great in the right hands Mm -hmm. because I really have a tremendous respect for, for that process. So, in fact, I met somebody, an acupuncturist who had been um, in practice in Brooklyn for 30 years. I met her yesterday, and she's been treating people with endometriosis and infertility. Mm-hmm. So we were very excited to make the connection because it's very hard to find good people. Yes. We, so can, we totally... can connect offline about that, too, because in L.A., I have tons of good people to refer. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. And we do a yeah. meetup. You can come meet some of them if you want to. Yeah. But we can get there. Um, does acu- This is probably not a you question, but just as you're saying this, does acupuncture help with PCOS? Because it's sort yes. of, okay. Because what's the science behind it that it sort of balances? So I won't be able to explain the whole pathway, but my assumption is that it's going to, it's working through really de-stressing and helping with the cortisol mm. pathway. Because stress increases cortisol, cortisol will affect the estrogen and progesterone metabolism and and, yeah, yeah, it's a whole cascade. Okay. Okay. So I call it the brain-vagina connection. So basically, there's so much stuff in between that can affect everything. Yes. Okay. I mean, this has been so chock full of information. Is there anything, any advice you live by every day or any cliche that maybe somebody in your family told you when you were little that you still think about today? Oh, 
Well, there's one thing that I teach my team and preach myself. It's written on my mirror up there too, that it's temporary. Everything is temporary. You know, I'm a big stoic philosopher, a believer too. So I'm like, you know, just we need to try to be in the moment and we try to not take things personally and this too shall pass. Hmm. So Everything is temporary is so good. This yes. too shall pass, same. They're both really yes. important ones. Yes. Dr. Gupta, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Abby. This was great. It was so great. Chock full of info, very densely packed with a lot of nuggets. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I got so many takeaways from that, but I think the best one, because I do stress all the time about whether my plasticware touches my food. Like even if I have a glass Tupperware dish and the top is plastic, I'm so worried about the top touching it, but just put the layer of foil. Why didn't I ever think of that? If that's not a takeaway, I don't know what is. Thank you so much to Dr. Gupta. That was incredible. By the way, she's also an actually certified sex therapist. I mean, how many things can one person do? I love this kind of badassery. Thank you so much for listening as always, please remember to rate, review, follow, and reach out at Abby Feeder on Instagram, at The Fertility Chick, or at Encircle Fertility. Please remember you don't have to go through this alone. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, please reach out, send me a DM, grab a 15-minute call, see if we're a good fit to work together. In the meantime, I'll see you next week.